Each week we worship. Each week we have the privilege of opening up God's Word. This week we'll take a break from the Gospel of John and focus on a text from Joshua. Down as I was getting ready, my fingers automatically opened up to John. So that might be a little difficult this moment, but, but we're in the Older Testament in the book of Joshua. It's Memorial Day weekend, so I thought it would be best to focus on a soldier, a soldier that will literally blow you away. Not so much because of his skills, but because of his endless passion. At the end of his life, or at least most of the time when you're 85 would be close to the end of your life, Caleb was more passionate than ever. He did things old guys are not supposed to do. So I thought I'd show you a clip. Normally we'd probably use like a vinyl cap, but it's going to be stronger. It's old school latex. Strong. Yeah, stronger is probably better for what I'm going to be doing. Yeah, we're going to torture test this makeup. Feels like I'm getting a gnarly facelift. My eyebrows are getting pulled into the back of my skull. All right, showtime. Gotta get pumped up. How are you doing? Good, good. How are you? Great. All right. Oh, wow. Very impressive. Very impressive. How are we doing? Good, sir. Young man, what supplements do you take? I love my creatine. It's really good. You know stuff. what I use? What do you use, man? Prune juice. I need to warm up. How are you doing? What, <laughs> you you mind if I try this? Love it. Please. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I think so. Man. It's called a deadlift. You want to wear a belt, man? Come on, man. Bust it out. Let's see if I remember. Come on! Oh, jeez! Fuck up! You're pretty strong, man. How old are you? 84. Wow. Of course, young man, of course. What do you say we step it up a little? Alright. You picked the weight. Are you ready? Oh, you're talking my language now. Let's put those 45s on. Play around. Oh, yes. Okay, okay. 
Thank you very much. You know what? Old guys are not supposed to do that. And we do realize he wasn't an old guy. But the truth is, we have in our minds 84, 85. I mean, if you can literally carry a gallon of milk out of the fridge and, and not spill it, you're like excited, you know? Not so with the man we're going to look at today. You see, in our text today, that leadership baton has been passed from Moses, which many of you know, to Joshua. Now let me remind you that Joshua was also in his 80s. We don't know exactly where he was at, but Joshua and Caleb were approximately the same age when they went into the spy mission into the promised land. Well, after 40 years of wandering, the Israelis were ready to move forward. They were ready to enter the land. They were on a campaign, one that would end well if they only listened to God. Their first strategic military strike was Jericho. And so many of you remember that story where, where Joshua led the troops around Jericho, well, seven days in a row. And eventually the walls came down and there was an amazing victory. And really the only one that could claim the victory was God. The Israelites didn't push the walls over and God received great glory that morning. Well, you know what? Their next well, town that they were to defeat was Ai. It didn't go so well. They basically forgot to ask God. And as a result, there were some folks that, well, died. Well, after Joshua got his head on straight, and after he again talked to God, he was reminded that, well, it's God that gives the power and the authority so this was pretty cool. They went and they defeated Ai. And then they went down to the southern part of Israel and then to the northern part of Israel and finally the towns east of Jordan. After all this happened, they had conquered more or less the promised land. Joshua then began to divvy out all of the land and to give each tribe a certain section of the promised land. Well, the major battles were won, but there were still skirmishes. They had taken out so many of the strongholds, but in every one of the cities, in every one of the areas, in every one of the country, there were still small pockets of folks that needed to be conquered. Well, we find ourselves in Joshua 14. So if you can turn your Bibles with me to Joshua 14. And, well, after this major campaigns, after Joshua was divvying out all of the different land, Caleb meets with Joshua. Caleb was a leader who followed God with all of his heart. In fact, you're going to hear this over and over and over again this morning. He followed God wholeheartedly. Now, I would imagine every one of you know what that means. 
But I think I'm going to push the envelope just a little bit and try to define that. Literally what Caleb did so very, 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 very well is when God said something, he obeyed. When God said anything, he didn't question it. He just did it. You know, most of us are really good at obeying, well, our authorities if they make sense. Now, granted, if you're in the military, you don't have that option. I get it. Whether you like your sergeant or you don't like your sergeant, it's still yes, sir. That's what you say. But for us, us normal folks, if we have a teacher we don't respect, it's hard to obey. If we have a principal, if we have a boss, if we have a neighbor, whatever it is, it's hard to obey somebody wholeheartedly. Caleb obeyed God without hesitation, without any regrets, And the reputation that he had among all of Israel was that's the guy that just listens to God. i got to be honest, I'm a little jealous. I would love to be able to have that reputation. Someday when you bury me, the tombstone will say, Rick Wager, a person who followed God with all of his heart. I can't think of a greater epithet. Can't. So we're looking at a guy that's 85. We're looking at a person that loved God maybe more passionately in his 85th year than he did much earlier. But let's read. If you have your Bibles, turn to Joshua chapter 14, and I'm going to start reading at verse 6. A delegation from the tribe of Judah, led by Caleb, son of Jephanah, the Kesazite, came to Joshua Gilgal. Caleb said to Joshua, remember what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, about you and me when we were at Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land of Canaan. I returned and gave an honest report. But my brothers who went with me frightened the people from entering the promised land. For my part, I wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. So that day Moses solemnly promised me, The land of Canaan on which you were just walking will be your grant of land and that of your descendants forever because you have wholeheartedly followed the Lord my God. Now as you can see, the Lord has kept me alive and well as he promised for all these 45 years since Moses made that promise. Even while Israel wandered in the wilderness, today I'm 85 years old. I am as strong now as I was when Moses sent me on that journey. And I can still travel and fight as well as I could then. So give me the hill country that the Lord promised me. You'll remember as scouts, we found the descendants of Anak living there, which were giants, by the way. Walled cities. 
But if the Lord is with me, I will drive them out of the land just as the Lord said. So Joshua blessed Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and gave Hebron to him as his portion of the land. Hebron still belonged to the descendants of Caleb, son of Jephunneh, the Kezite, because he wholeheartedly followed the Lord of Israel. Previously, Hebron had been called Kareth Arba, and it has been named after Arba, the great hero of the descendants of Anak, the giants. In the last sentence, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. Father, I don't know all that it takes to look back after 85 years and still want the hardest in the most difficult territory. God, Caleb inspires me. We pray today, Father, that we will learn from his leadership, that, that we will understand what it means to follow you with all of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Caleb is a hero. He was 85 years old when Caleb came to Joshua. Now, what I like to do in these verses is actually dig in and find out why Caleb is a kingdom patriot. Remember, a patriot is a person who vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against any enemies or destruction. Caleb somehow knew the commander of all. He had a great relationship with him. One of the things I noticed is that leaders lead. Leaders lead. Leaders do not sit. They always seem to be proactive. And what I'm noticing even in this text is that Caleb actually may have greater influence in his latter years than he did in his earlier years. We all have influence. We all lead. There are people that we can influence. And so my encouragement is, no matter how old you are, or no matter what obstacles lay in your way, lead well. Another thing that jumped out to me is that leaders remind. They remind. They don't nag. They help us remember what is important. Now, we all have people in our lives that love to nag, right? And oftentimes, we don't respond well to the nag. But if there's a person in our life that, well, you respect, and there's certain things that he or she wants you to remember, there's a different way to say it rather than nag. So Joshua basically needed to be reminded of God's faithfulness and his promises. So Caleb did. Caleb was a good leader. Caleb was a peer. Caleb knew that Joshua was a leader. But he wanted Joshua to remember God's promises and faithfulness way, way, way back when Moses promised them this land. 
You see, leaders know and trust God's Word. At 40, Caleb said, I gave an honest report at Kadesh Barnea. If you've been around these parts for any length of time and that word Kadesh Barnea comes up, you're reminded that that is just one of the saddest stories in all the Bible. God, who was an amazing God, a big God, had just done some amazing, powerful miracles and, well, delivered the children of Israel from Israel. And they are about ready to go into a land, a land that was described as filled with milk and honey, a land that would be paradise, especially compared to the slavery and the, and the conditions they had just experienced. But for some reason, all the miracles, all the power, all the promises that God had given them didn't move a group of people. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Numbers chapter 13. And I'm going to start reading verse 25. Because this is the report, literally, that Caleb is talking about. Verse 25, Numbers 13. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community that they had seen and shown them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it indeed is a beautiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. In fact, here's the kind of fruit it produces. But in verse 28, if you mark your Bibles, I'd circle this one. But. But. Okay, God, so far, everything you told us was true. Amazing. We cannot believe what's going to happen if we get over there. But, verse 28, the people living there are powerful and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants, the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take this land, he said. We certainly can conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land, among the Israelites. The land were traveled through and explored will devour anyone that goes and lives there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. Whoa. Chapter 14, verse 1. The whole community began weeping aloud as they cried all night. Their voices arose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If we had only died in Egypt or even in the wilderness, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us into this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones would be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it have been better for us to return to Egypt? 
Then they plotted among themselves. Let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. Verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephana, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, this land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It's a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. And then verse 10, but the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Wow. 45 years later, Caleb goes to Joshua. He remembers the giants. He remembers the walled cities. He remembers the hilly terrain. He recognized that this was not easy territory to be able to conquer. But it's territory that he had already seen. Territory that God had already given him a promise. And said, you know what? That's what I want. I remember God's power and his faithfulness. I remember how he dealt with Pharaoh and and the gods of Egypt. I remember. I was promised that land filled with giants and walled cities, and I want that land filled with giants and walled cities. You see, leaders see opportunities, not obstacles. Giants in walled cities were not a problem 45 years ago. And actually, they're still not a problem. He says, I am 85, healthy and ready. I can fight. I can travel. Since the Lord is with me, I'm going to drive them out. Amazing. You see, an 85-year-old has a chance to either run from God or run toward God. If this 85-year-old has spent many of his years or much of his years in fellowship with our God and understanding God's promises and his faithfulness, it's going to change the way you see God at 85. The things that even the young men would quake at. Well, you mean we got to climb up and are you serious? Giants and walled cities, come on! But Caleb understood his God. Caleb saw who God was. And these were just mere inconveniences to Caleb. So very, very different than 40 years ago, all of Israel except for Joshua. And even now, I want what God promised me. Even though it's the most difficult out of all the terrain, and the enemies are the fiercest. That's what I want. And what he did to Joshua is say this Remember, I followed God wholeheartedly. 
Every time I followed God wholeheartedly, things went well for me. Whoa. So his confidence was in God. His confidence, again, wasn't in, well, his strategy. Wasn't in his youth or his age or his strength. It was in God. You see, people who follow God wholeheartedly, well, they see God differently than everybody else. A person that listens to God and God faithfully provides for them and faithfully gives them strength and faithfully walks with them during all kinds of heartache and tragedy. Oh, that person is almost unsinkable. They have joy in spite of circumstances. They have strength when everything should, wow, just fade and go away. But clarity gives you faith, and clarity helps you see. And again, we've all been around people, whether they're young, middle-aged, or older. I'll tell you one of the privileges, again, that I had for so many years of serving high school students. One of the absolute joys of serving high school students is that sometimes their faith was crazy strong. I saw them change villages. I saw them build a camp. I saw them do things that, well, grown-ups just don't do. They just don't. It was so cool. Now, oftentimes, their faith doesn't last very long. And they do peter out. But hopefully, back as a teenager, Caleb learned about God. And begin following him then. And when he became 40 years old or approximately that, and he went out to see these walled cities and these giants, let's go get them. This is what God promised us. He's never let us down before. Let's do it. Well, when the people rebelled, 45 years later, went all the way through all the wilderness wanderings, saw God's power and saw God's provision, and had another chance right now to be able to take the same territory. Caleb said, sign me up. The other thing I notice is that leaders who follow God with all their hearts are blessed. Now, as soon as I say that, many times you look at relationships or you look at finances or you look at material blessings. And you know what? Sometimes God gives you amazing relationships and sometimes God allows you to manage all kinds of money. And sometimes you have all kinds of possessions. But God isn't blessing you for following him through material blessings. One of the greatest, and it might be part of that, but one of the greatest joys that everyone has who follows God with all of their heart is the relationship they have with God. It is. That's where the joy and the strength and the power comes from. It's not what you have. It's the relationship that you have. 
So how do you do this? How do you learn to follow God with all of your heart? Will you start today? As you open up God's Word and God reveals different truths to you, when God asks you to do something, you say yes. When God talks to you, you say yes. When the Scriptures are opened and there is a directive there, you say yes. You know, it was interesting, just a few days ago, as I was just praying, there was a certain person that came to mind. And I kind of put it off. And I was continuing praying for different folks and different scenarios in our church. And, and yet God kept bringing up this person. And I kept kind of arguing with God. I'm saying, well, God, is this just because? And I filled in a bunch of blanks. And I finally came to a place where I said this. You know what, God? You want me to meet with this person. I get it. I'm so sorry I'm so dense. I'm so sorry I'm so slow. Lord, I need to meet with this guy. And it was one of those things where I knew what was right. I just did. And that Holy Spirit just wouldn't let me, well, go and even be really spiritual and pray for other people. I said, no, I want you. I want you to meet with him. You know, little steps. It might be telling the truth when you don't want to. It might be, well, finishing the job when you don't want to. It might be working all the way to four when you're supposed to work all the way to four. I don't know. But I know this, is that when we listen to God and follow God wholeheartedly, there aren't any regrets. The regrets are not following God. The regrets are running from God. The regrets are thinking that you are smarter than the Almighty God. You know, I would be remiss if I didn't point out what happens when leaders do not follow God with all of their hearts. And it's really interesting, we, we focus on Caleb. Yes, he's inspiring. This is so cool. I can't believe it. I want to be just like you, Caleb. But the scripture is filled with leaders that do not follow God. You know, Joshua dies just a short time later. And Israel begins a spiral downward. Mostly because of leadership. If you have your Bibles again, you can just turn over to Judges chapter 2. Judges happens right after Joshua dies. It's a recording of the history of Israel. But in Joshua, excuse me, Judges chapter 2, starting at verse 6. After Joshua sent the people away, each of the tribes to take possession of their land allotted to them. We just talked about that. And the Israelites served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the leaders who outlived him during that time. Those who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. There's some pretty cool leaders there. Verse 8, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at age 110. They buried him, but look at verse 10. After that generation died... 
another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things that he had done for Israel. You see, as soon as leaders forget who God is and they don't follow God with all their hearts, things begin to deteriorate. In fact, one of the marks of Judges, and if you haven't read through Judges, it's one of the most depressing books in all the scriptures. Because what happens in the book of Judges, there's this cycle is that people run from God, they cry out to God, God sends them a judge to deliver them, they listen to God for a little bit, they prosper, the judge dies, they begin to run from God again, they fall into chastisement, and again the cycle happens over and over and over again. But what I want you to do if you read the book of Judges is notice how often the children of Israel only partially obeyed. We're all really good at partially obeying. Literally, partial obedience, though, is disobedience. You know, Lord, I I listen to you about 90% of the time. It's that 10%. You know, Lord, I, I really think that... And you can fill in the blank. But listen to this, right there in Judges chapter 1. If you start at verse 6, it may not sound very much a big deal to you, but I'm going to read Judges chapter 1, verse 6. Adonai Bezek escaped, but the Israelites soon captured him and cut off his thumbs and his big toes. Really, Rick? This is what we're going to focus on today. This was a king. And what literally happened, God gave certain directions. And this may be hard to stomach and understand, but there are certain nations that needed to be wiped out. And the truth is that Israel was given certain assignments, and they were to go in, and they were to annihilate some folks, for the most part, that just ran from God for a longest time and refused to respond to God. But this was one of the cases. Instead of killing the king, what they did is chop off the toes and the thumbs. Say, well, Rick, what's so wrong with that? Well, that's not what God asked them to do. If you would see, that's what the culture did around them. That's what they did to, well, try to be merciful to the different leaders. They would just do that rather than kill them. Now, God told them to wipe them out. So Israel started little bit by little bit compromising. Now, I'm going to shoot through it. It's up on your screen up there. But if you look at verse 19 of chapter 1. The Lord was with the people of Judah, and they took possession of the land of the hill country, but they failed to drive out the people living in the plains who had iron chariots. So again, most of the defeat went well, but they, you know what, let's not go after the chariots. Those are a little bit too difficult. Verse 19. I'm sorry, verse uh, 21. The tribe of Benjamin, however, failed to drive out the Jebusites. Wow. Verse 28. 
When the Israelites grew stronger, they forced the Canaanites to work as slaves, but they never did drive them out completely. Verse 29, the tribe of Ephraim failed to drive out the Canaanites. Verse 30, the tribe of Zebulon failed to drive out the residents of Kitron and Nahalal. Verse 31, the tribe of Asher failed to drive out the residents of, and you can read those. Verse 32, instead the people of Asher moved in among the Canaanites who controlled the land, for they failed to drive them out. Verse 33, likewise the tribe of Naphtali failed to drive out residents. They just moved in among them. How sad. If you literally read through this whole book, you will, well, find out that Judges is filled with vivid examples of a people living lives of defeat and compromise. They never enjoyed living underneath the reign and the rule of God. They kept compromising. They kept justifying. They kept, well, not really listening to God completely. So we have Caleb. Caleb, let me just kind of wrap this up if I could. Caleb. You know, in some ways, Caleb was exhausting but inspiring, mostly because he walked wholeheartedly with God. Caleb was described by God himself in Numbers chapter 14, 24. And this is what God says about Caleb. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him in the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. That's God, again, describing Caleb. He says, you know what? Not everyone does this. This one is unusual. When I say something, he believes me. I guess that's what's inspiring to me. Is that when God says something, I want to believe him. I want to trust him. It doesn't matter the obstacle, nor the age, nor the energy we have. God says, Caleb stuck out because he was a wholehearted follower. Now, it's really cool. Back in Joshua chapter 14, verse 15, we read that the land rested from war. The land rested for war, from war. Caleb went in. Caleb listened. Caleb destroyed whatever God told him to destroy. And finally, the land rested from war. Can you imagine how that felt? A man for most of his life, a warrior. A man that lived for the majority of his life with a group of people that didn't see God clearly and didn't obey God with all their hearts. He suffered their consequences. He ended up walking in the desert for 40 years. 
because of Israel's disobedience. Because Israel didn't listen to God. Oh, it must have been hard. But eventually, he got to the spot where he saw the land and he saw the blessings and, and he recognized all of the obstacles. And he says, I want that hill country. That's what God promised me. He has absolutely been true to his word up to this moment. And then after the wars, after the skirmishes, Caleb enjoyed the peace. You know, oftentimes following God wholeheartedly, we all want the peace. We want all relationships to go well. We want our bank accounts to be filled. We want nobody to get sick or injured. I get it. But sometimes it doesn't happen till the end. And I don't know what that end is. But I was thinking through this week, don't you want that? Don't you want to be able to follow our trustworthy God and when he asks you to do something, you say yes. Even though it goes against the culture, even though there were two million Jews against two. Those are terrible odds. And Caleb says, are you kidding me? I saw the size of those grapes. Whoa! Let's go get them! It is amazing! Oh, no, 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 no. This doesn't sound right. This doesn't look good. We're going to get killed. We might as well have just died in the desert. Oh, my word. What a happy group of people. In fact, let's just stone you. We don't like people that wholeheartedly follow God. I'm going to stone you. Whoa, you mean if you wholeheartedly follow God, there might be people that want to stone you. Yes. Let's think of Caleb. And as you think of Caleb, we're going to close our time right before I pray by what, or, or by listening to a song by K Graham Kendrick. Let's play that.
just pray today that you would receive all honor and glory from our lives. That we would be individuals and families and, well, the church at Crosspoint. We would be known because of our obedience of you. That we would nurture that relationship with you. And when you speak to us, when your word is so clear to us that we would just say yes. You are worthy to be trusted. You are worthy to lead us in every way. Father, how exciting not to be worried about walled cities and giants. Because you walk with us, they are nothing. And so we thank you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace. And we thank you for examples like Caleb, who taught us that in spite of anything, you are worthy to follow with all of our hearts. We pray this in your son's name. Amen.